What is going on, beautiful people? I hope you are having an amazing day. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon. And if you know anything about me or you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that my goal is to help you live your happiest, healthiest life while on the quest to cure obesity. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am immensely grateful that you spend your time listening to me rant and ramble about all things health, wellness, abundance, and opportunity. It absolutely means the world to me. Today's episode is sponsored by my brand new weight loss transformation program called FLEX. FLEX stands for a flexible lifestyle eating and exercise program. And my promise is this, it will be the last program you ever need to purchase. It is a weight loss program that is not a diet. I know that just blew your mind. This is not a diet. There's no pills, potions, or false promises that you have to purchase. There's no fad, no covers of magazines, no doctors and lab coats. This is real deal lifestyle transformation that is going to change your life forever. You will never need to do another diet. You're going to get expert level support and accountability. You're going to get transformative information about how to eat, when to eat, what to eat. There's three reasons that people struggle with weight loss. There's too, It's too much, too often, or the wrong combination. They're either eating too much food, too often, or they're eating the wrong combinations. And I'm going to help you fix all three of those. Thousands of people just like you have ditched the depressive diet roller coaster, have come on board with the Thrive Forever Fit flex program and are transforming their lives. We've got clients that have lost 10 pounds in the first seven days, 15 pounds, 20 pounds. We've got clients that are over 130 pounds down. Guys, I promise you, this is the last program you'll ever need to purchase. And I am more than honored to offer it to you so that I can help you on your journey. All right, let's get to the show. My guest today is the awesome J.M. Ryerson. J.M. is the host of the Let's Go Win podcast, the author of the best-selling book, Let's Go Win. And today you are going to get a behind-the-scenes look as J.M. and I chat about leadership, accountability, winning, vulnerability, Navy SEALs, all kind of really cool, amazing stuff. JM is an awesome dude. You are going to absolutely love him. So saddle up and get ready. Here we go. JM, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Oh, man, I am blessed. I am feeling good. And thank you for having me, man. I had such a good time with you on the show. And thank you for what you sent to me, man. That was a heartfelt gift. And most people don't do that as a as a as a guest, so I, I'm grateful to have you in my life. So thank you. You are unbelievably welcome. I mean, it just seemed like the thing to do. That's, you know, I love people, and I love people that I, that I connect with, and you know, we've got some of the same mutual friends. And I think, and when you start to to play in those circles and around that kind of energy and people who just love other people. It was a no-brainer for me, man. I'm like, Jay, I'm this, man. Let's get it out there. So you're welcome, my man. And I guess, it, like I told you on when I was on your show, if you ever need anything, like the answer is yes. That's I'm just this kind, of, just this kind of guy I am. And I appreciate you being willing to, I mean, you're busy, my man. You're doing all kind of leadership trainings and like, you know, teaching and leading and, and being 
the person that you talk about. And thank you for sending me your book. So we're going to talk about this today, guys. So let's go win. Make sure you go to Amazon and grab this. I'll put all the links in the show notes. But I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. But before we do that, why winning, man? Like, why is why is winning cool to you? Like, why is, you know, because for me, it's like, that's kind of all I think about is like, how am I going to win? Yeah. I don't know that everybody has that same mindset. So how did you get from where you were to where you are now? Yeah, it's a really good question because I uh, I stumbled upon a notepad that I use or a journal, I guess is what you call it, back when I was about 20. So I have played sports all my life and team sports is my favorite. Now, I was a much better individual sport uh, as a swimmer was my best sport, but I didn't love it. Jay, it wasn't my thing, man. I love yeah. being around teams. I love camaraderie. So the journal... I was about 20 or 21. So it was in my junior or sophomore year of high school or of college, excuse me. And I'm not sure the exact time frame, but the reason this comes into play is we were moving from California to Florida. And my wife is like, Hey, clean out the garage. Well, as I'm doing it, there's this box of mementos and there's this journal. I'm flipping through it and boom, there's let's go win with the logo in black and white. Cause I just was using a pen, the name let's go win. And brother, for almost 20 years, I guess I just it marinated in my brain because I forgot about it. Wow. And so I start writing this book for my kids is how it started. I have 16 and 13 year old sons with my wife. And I let's go win was the immediately came to the title. And I was I'm going along and I write the book, publish it. And then I find that journal. I'm like, holy cow, man, this has literally been up there forever. Yeah. And the whole idea, brother, is it's not about a win or a loss per se. It's about setting yourself up to win every single day. And I know you and I rapped about that a lot on my show and I so much synergy there, but yeah. I'm just passionate about it. I just, I want people to live their best life. And the most simple way I can say is let's go win. If I'm winning, Jay's winning. If Jay's winning, I'm winning. I believe in that, brother. So mm -hmm. I, that's where it came from. And it's just, it's uh, it's something that's been impactful in my life. You know, I have to tell this. So, because when you, when you were telling the story about the journal and then like going back and like reading it, like knowing that it was up there, I do that now because of a very similar situation. Like I, at one point I was going back through, I, I keep all my old journals and I would go back through these journals and I was like, well, that happened that happened. <laughs> Holy crap. That's exactly how it happened. And at the time I had no idea, no concept, no anything. So if you're a journaler and you, and you're like, you know, you're like us and you, you keep those, go back and read some of your old stuff. I bet you're going to find some things that you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, like that's been in there for a while. And it actually happened exactly like I wanted it to happen or thought it would happen. So I think that's so super cool. And I love the fact that you, that the journey was you know, created on you wanting to, to create a book for your kids to, cause I'm, I'm big on like, I think leadership is a big word, right? Like I think everybody defines it a little bit differently. So let's start there. Cause I love defining terms. Like what do you, what's your definition of leadership? So mine's real simple. Uh, I'll start with, and it's stolen from John Maxwell leadership is influence. And then my philosophy on leadership is it's not about you. And anybody that spends any time around me, you're going to hear that again and again and again. Leadership is influence because if you're taking a walk and no one's following you, you're just on, you're on a walk, right? Yeah. 
Um, but it, it's not about you. And, and what's funny about that, Jay, and we'll talk about, I'm sure so much of it's not about you. However, in order for you to be the best leader, you have to make a segment about of your life about you. Right. And so it's be selfish in order to be really unselfish. And it's kind of this thing that messes with people's minds, but I'm like, stop being selfish by not taking care of yourself. I need you to be selfish so you can right. be unselfish. So anyway, those are, that's how I define it. Well, if you're going to borrow something, I mean, John's a great person to borrow a, a quote from or an idea or a concept. I mean, obviously one of the leaders and one of the leaders in leadership, I'm glad you said that. Cause that was going to be my follow-up question is like, okay, I love all of that, but in order to lead others, you have to be able to, in my, in my belief, in my philosophy, you have to believe, you have to be able to lead yourself. And then you went to that selfishness. And I think we, you know, just staying on that, the idea of defining terms. I think when we hear the word selfish, we go to like Webster's dictionary and we flip to the page and we're like, oh, I don't, I don't, you don't, don't be that. Like, that's a bad person. Like that's somebody who is you know, self-centered and, you know, egotistical and they don't care about anybody but themselves. And I, I believe the exact opposite. I agree with you. Like, so let's touch on that. When did you kind of come into that? You I mean, obviously you got the, the Maxwell, you know, belief system, but like, when did you come into that, that more powerful notion of like, if I'm going to do this big stuff, then I've got to be able to get really granular and actually be a little bit selfish in the beginning. Yeah, man, it, it's really being self-aware of, of how you are. I'll give you a most recent example, and then I'll go into the past. So I had a little minor procedure, not a big deal, but I couldn't work out the way I like to work out in the mornings, right? To I believe in taking care of the mind, the body, and the soul every single day before you do anything, like for you, right? That's the selfish part. Please do that. But I wasn't able to the last two days. And brother, by 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, I am just, I was drained. I wasn't as sharp. And so I, I waited the 48 hours like I was told. And then I worked out this morning and I've just been electric mm -hmm. since, right? And it's amazing how two days, okay, you missed working out two days. It was a big deal, man. Like I yeah. didn't feel as my best self. I wasn't showing up as the best version of me. So it was a stark reminder this morning where I was like, oh my gosh, I don't just do it for how I feel physically. I do it for how I feel mentally. Yeah. And I'm not sure when it really clicked for me that this is so vitally important. But I, when it comes to being a leader, I've made every mistake possible. You know, in my early 20s, uh, you know, mid 20s, I was definitely drinking too much. So I wasn't showing up as the optimal leader the next day because I'm just not feeling that great. Right. Yeah. And so you start to get aware of like, okay, these things aren't allowing me to show up as the best version of me. And then I develop my routine, which continues to evolve, continues to change. But the whole idea is how does that make me feel? How do I show up? How, where's my energy level at? And so that's what I'm constantly checking in on, Jay, so I can show up on this show and be the best version of me, right? Yeah. And I can show up as the best version of a dad, the best version of a husband. Look, we wear a lot of hats and I want to show up as the best version of me so that when we leave, you feel like I gave you everything I had. That's my intent. That's my goal on a, on a daily basis. And the whole idea of being selfish is I can't do that unless I take care of me. And so I really think I've found that core routine uh, about 
33 or 34 because I had a pretty significant moment in my life where my life was kind of falling apart. My wife and I were separated for a year. I was about to lose my family all because I wasn't being me. I wasn't being fulfilled and I wasn't taking that time. My health was a mess. My business was crushing it, making a ton of money, but everything else in my life sucked. And I'm like, all right, this doesn't work. Let's figure this out. Right. I love that. And that, that opened up so many doors whenever you started talking about that. Cause I see people all the time, like they will put everybody else first. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a leader. Let's say they're a leader of their family, their kids, their, their work, their employment, whatever it is, they'll put all of that first and they'll never pay any attention to their, to the individual that has to, to have the strength and the power. So one of my things is like your kids, let's use that for an example, because you kind of talked about that earlier is like, would they rather have a you know hundred percent version of you when you've taken care of yourself, you've worked out, you've you've meditated, you've journaled, you've done all your things, um, or would they rather have a watered down version? Like you said, by two o'clock you're ex- exhausted and done for the day, and you know you're not able to even be present in that moment. So I think there's it's a it's a dichotomy of thought, right? Because it's like, well, I want to be a leader and a servant to everybody else. Uh, but then I'll neglect myself. And so I think it's, you found that magic formula that is, you've got to be able to do both, which I think is, is essential. And so whenever you were writing the book, was that in the forefront of, of your thought processes on how do I convey both messages simultaneously? Yeah. I mean, when I started, let's go when the whole idea is to inspire people to live their best lives. And it started with these two dudes, these two little guys that I'm responsible for. And then the, it was funny, Jay, the gal that I was working with on the book is like, man, you're selfish. And I was like, whoa, hey, I don't hey. think I'm selfish. She said, if you only share this book with two human beings, you okay. are selfish. And I was like, all right, lesson learned. I, I I'm with you. Let's publish it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, as, as I wrote the book again, I put myself back. I was so focused on, I want the very best for these, these two people, but then it became bigger. Right. And that's where the podcast came in. So I, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking about everybody. I was just thinking about these two souls. Yeah. And so I gave it everything I had, right? Like I wanted my kids to know, the good, the bad, the ugly. This is what, you know, this is what dad is. And it, it just translated where people are like, wow, that was really cool. How did you start with vulnerability? You're a guy from Montana that was top boys don't cry. Yeah. That's also a really bad idea. Yeah. So I just wanted to be transparent. Like, here it is, man. Like, here's, here's the lessons I learned. Don't do some of these so you don't have to scrape your knees so much. Yeah, I love that. I was just about to dive into that chapter one, vulnerability. So it's like when you talk about that, like I love the idea of leading out of the gate with that. Because like you said, I mean, you're from Montana. I'm from Texas. You know, we both grew up in a really, you know, it's like, hey, the dudes don't do that. And so teaching your 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 kids that vulnerability is is a really key, essential piece to uh, happiness and longevity that from a just just a happy living a, a great life perspective is a beautiful beautiful thing so whenever she so so the idea was you were just kind of compiling kind of a guidebook for your kids like hey guys like this is kind of like dad's perspective on the world 
I want you guys to be able to kind of like look through this and, and kind of have a guidebook, if you will. And then the person you were working on the book made so like, was like, hey, man, people need to, to read this. And I think that's beautiful because oftentimes we do start out very kind of singularly focused. It's like, hey, this is just what it's going to be. And now you've created an entire business around a journal post that you put in a, a journal that you hadn't seen forever in black and white marker or whatever it was. And so I think there's a beauty in that. Like that's you leading yourself, even though you weren't even really aware of what you were doing. Yeah. And you know, what's fascinating about that. You hear people often say, I, I, you know, the why and your purpose and brother, I, I went through almost 20 years kind of looking and searching for my why it was there all along, Yeah, but I just wasn't ready to step into that role, I guess. And, and I do believe in faith. I, I believe that things happen for a reason. I believe I needed to learn these lessons but it's fascinating to think at 20, I may have had my hands or I did wrapped around what my purpose was. I just wasn't ready for that. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. I'm so happy that happened. Yes. Do I wish I could have got this out to the world faster? Sure. Of course. Yeah. But guess what? It wouldn't be as powerful. I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't be as passionate about it as I am today. And so it would just be, oh yeah, it's just one of another business that I built. Now, this is my legacy company, and and I'm proud of it every single day. It's like, I'm really proud of what we're doing to help others. And so, yeah, it's just, it's a wild ride, I guess, is the the long and the short of that. Yeah, but I think that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's it is the ride though, right? Like, I think everybody has that same opportunity to go through that same journey. It's It's the hero's journey, if you will. Right. It's like if you knew everything that you knew from the beginning and you just created all of this, well, then you probably wouldn't have the same respect for it or the same passion or the same love. And so I think there's a beauty in going through some of those adversities and trying to figure it out along the way. When you were writing the book, and I always ask this question to anybody who has, um, as someone who's written a book and potentially thinking about writing another one, which I which I swore I would never do because I <laughs> Um, because I'm a psychopath. So you and I'll probably have to have a conversation about that. You have to walk me off the ledge one way or the other um, later on offline. But what was the what was the process like as you were going through this? Because I know for me, when I wrote my first book, it was like, it was awesome, but it was scary. And it was like, is anybody going to read this? And then if they read it, is it gonna, are they going to think it's stupid? Like, it's like, I went through all these crazy things. It's like, what was that process like for you? Yeah, very similar, man. I mean, the imposter syndrome is real. Uh, I didn't start writing for years because why am I yeah. a person that should write this, right? I'm not I'm not mature enough. I haven't learned enough lessons. Every self-limiting belief you can throw out there. And then so what happened is I had my goal of writing this book for like three years in my bathroom mirror because all my goals are in my bathroom mirror. So my family can hold me accountable to it. Yeah. And my seven-year-old at the time, my youngest boy says, hey, dad, how's that book going? And I will never lie to my kids. So I looked at him and bro, he destroyed me and inspired <laughs> me in one sentence because I had to look him in the face and say, I have a little bit of chapter one done. Yeah. And within six months, I finished after he literally said it that morning. But what's crazy is so I start just writing, man, I'm ferociously getting into it. I do about three chapters and I read it and I hated it. Oh yeah. Oh, for like, sure. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. 
And so what I found is obviously I don't want this to discourage anyone listening because I want everyone. It's such an amazing feeling. It's like this amazing journaling process, but I didn't care for my writing and I didn't feel like what I was trying to convey was coming through. So I found that gal to say, look, I'm going to just go and you and I are going to just go back and forth. You're going to interview yeah. me. We're going to do these. And it became this amazing process of like hardcore journaling for six months. I have to say it was um, some of the hardest, most fulfilling work I've ever done. I also swore I would never do it. And I'm working on book three right now. So yeah. I don't know, brother. It's, it's, a, it's weird a, thing. a weird thing, but I love it. Yeah, it's a really weird thing. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm grateful that you went through all the same, you know, hot garbage mess that I did. Because um, you, it's like hearing yourself talk, right? The first time you hear your voice on like a recording, you were like, if that person doesn't shut up, like I have to leave the room. And they're like, that's you. And I'm like, I can't listen to that. <laughs> it's a little bit like that when you read your first, you know, your first rendition of your book, you're like, to read this is awful <laughs> but that brings me to what my next question i'm glad you brought up you brought up your six-year-old and i don't know that it's um i don't know if this was on purpose or not but chapter six is actually accountability mm. and you got held accountable by a six-year-old that mm. was you know pretty transformative in the you know we wouldn't be having this conversation today and we might be but who knows right who knows what would have happened if you hadn't have been and he was just asking a question right so sometimes like our greatest supporters just have to ask the right question. And then you, as the vulnerable person, chapter one, had to tell the truth, right? You had to give them a real answer. And so there's a beauty in that. Like, walk me through that. I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about it, but from the accountability perspective, like, how does that go into the let's go win philosophy? Like, what you're teaching and preaching to, you know, the the businesses that you teach and and coach and all that. How do you, how do you talk about and touch on accountability? Cause I'm big on it. Yeah. So it's the lesson that I'll forever remember my dad. I lost him this year and my mom, I just still, she's flying in today. So I'm fired up, but anyway, it's a simple idea. Do what you say you're going to do. Now we always don't do that. Right. Yeah. I, I messed up earlier where I hadn't done my cardinal rule, which is do what you say you're going to do. And so the, the simple idea, Jay is if you give permission, so if I were to say, all right, Jay, you know, mental wellness and fitness and certain, I have a goal and I share that with you. And then here's the key. If I say, Jay, I give you permission to keep me accountable to what my goal, I'm giving you permission because this goal is so important to me because X, Y, and Z. Now I have somebody that I'm giving 100% permission to give me that feedback. And when Jay gives me that feedback, all I get to say is thank you. Yeah. Because you're doing something that so often we don't like to hear feedback. We don't want to hear how we're screwing up or we're not doing our job. But ultimately for us to obtain our dreams, we need this accountability buddy in our life. And I think it's that missing part of when we talk about goals when we talk about accountability, because it gets that bad rap. If you just add in that buddy, that accountability buddy, there's a couple of things that happen. They get to share in this journey. They get to support you in this journey. And then they get to celebrate the wins along the way. Yeah. It, it's so gratifying. It's not just you celebrating a win. Now your accountability buddy's like, 
dude, you hit your goal. Awesome. Give me a high five. Give me a hug. Let's go celebrate. It's like, how much better is it to celebrate with another human being than just by yourself? For me, it's not even close. Yeah. So that's the whole idea is just do what you say you're going to do. Find somebody that will hold you to that. Give them permission. And it's amazing what you can accomplish. I love that. You hit me hard in the book because I use this term and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you said it exactly like this, but you use the term either radical honesty or brutal honesty or extreme something of that nature. Yeah, radical I I, transparency. Yeah, yeah, radical transparency. Oh, here it is. Right? Be radically transparent. So it's on page 31. When I was reading through it, I'm like, I, that's, I always use that word radical, like be radically honest. And, and I always start with saying you have to be radically honest with yourself before you can ever allow somebody else to be radically honest with you. And so what, what's your take on that? Cause I think you, you mentioned a lot of things there that I was kind of unpacking. It was like, keep, keep doing the things you say you're going to do. Right. So I think a lot of the reasons that people struggle with like self-esteem issues is because they've broken so many promises to themselves already that they don't even believe their, their new promises. And they don't have that radical transparency with themselves because they've created a story kind of around there. And listen, I'm speaking from experience. This is not me talking to you guys. I did this. And so I, you know, I, one of my favorite things to say is like my life changed drastically when I stopped believing my own bullshit. <laughs> so right? that I mean, that was, that was the day and it, it, there was nobody else there. It was just me. And it was like, Hey man, if you stop believing this shit and you actually start doing the things you know, you're supposed to do, Life's going to change radically for you. So touch on that for me. Like, how did you get so comfortable being honest with yourself? Because, and then, and then demanding or asking for that from other people. Yeah. So the <clears throat> original idea came from Ray Dalio. He just put the terminology together, radical transparency. But what I found throughout life is if I'm lying to myself, or let's just say you and I are best friends. Okay. And Jay keeps messing up, but I don't care enough to actually speak to him about it. I don't give enough of a shit about this man, my best friend. I would rather talk poorly about him behind his back. And we see it every single day because we don't want to have yeah. that crucial conversation. We don't want to have that, the, the scary conversation. I'm so comfortable with these because I feel so much better by having this conversation than the, the latter or the opposition. By me not saying it, I'm not being a good friend. I'm lying to myself. I'm potentially talking about them to other people, which never feels good. And so I hit this moment in life. And again, it was, it was when my wife and I went through our thing because we weren't 100% being honest with each other about our feelings. And bro, it was eating me up and I felt like crap. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. And so when I finally said, looked in the mirror and said, stop lying, just be honest, do everything that your parents have taught you to do, because it's a really simple way to live. Does that mean I'm not going to disappoint people? I disappoint people all the time. Yeah. It just means that I'm living in my truth. And it's such a freeing way to live because I don't have to remember what to say, what not to say. I right. just, I'm, I'm me. And so I, I really think it took shape about that 33 years of age where I was like, oh, the light bulb went off. It's just so yeah. much easier just to be really honest with one another. Well, when we're young too, I think we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to dance around like 
I'm not even comfortable with my own feelings. Like how on earth am I going to talk to somebody else about their feelings connected to my feelings? Right. And so we're like, we're almost like these, like, we don't even know what to do. It's like our feet are too big for our body. You know, we're kind of like, we're stumbling around because um, the same, the very same thing happened to me. And now as, as I'm approaching 50, I couldn't be further from that 20 year old self. Like if you're in my world and as you get older, if some of you guys are listening that are younger, your, um, your circle will shrink but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because the people that are in your circle, it's like, you know, like you said, if we're best friends, like you're going to have extreme confidence that I'm never going to BS you, right? Like, and, and, that, and that I can also tell you anything and you're going to be like, you don't have to agree with me, right? But we're, we're going to be able to have such a magical dialogue about it that we're both going to get to a place afterwards. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Like now, I mean, we both just got better. That's a relationship. Like, that's a beautiful relationship. I'll take that every day over you. Be like, Jay, you are so amazing. Like, I just love everything about you. I'd be like, well, that's bullshit, Jay. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so true, too. And I think we do figure this out along the way because early in our 20s, it would come across as a judgment. If I said, you're doing yeah. this, well, that's just my opinion. But if I say, and this is therapy 101, but it's like, look, when you do X, I feel Y. Now, why that's important is because it's not saying you're a bad person. I'm no longer labeling. I'm saying my feeling is this is what it is when you do this thing. Right. And it becomes such an easy conversation because, again, they could be like, all right, I disagree. It's just your opinion. Cool. You can't tell me I'm wrong. It's my feelings. Right. But at the same time, I'm living. I've now told you like, hey, I care about you. I want you to be your best version of you. And when I see you do this, I don't believe that's yours. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give everybody a little tip, like a little sales strategy 101, negotiation 101, is that if, you, if, if you're not comfortable yet in these situations, start with a simple phrase of, it sounds like blank, right? Because if you say it sounds like, that doesn't mean that you're saying it is, doesn't mean that I hate you and this is what I believe. I'm just simply saying, hey, Jim, it sounds like you might be feeling this way. And that just opens the door. And that person can be like, well, either maybe I am feeling that way or no, you're completely wrong. Right. So it's just an easy bridge to kind of get into those conversations. And the more you do that, the more you'll start, to, you know, it's like you said earlier. I love surrounding myself with people like you will never find somebody who loves other people winning more than me. Like there probably are. But like I love to watch my friends win. And so I want to be a part of that celebration, right? Like I want to be a part of like you writing that third book. Like I want to be, in, I want to be in on that. Like I want to be able to promote it. I want to be able to talk about it. I want to be able to, to share that, right? And there's, and there's, and it's not my book, but I, I get there's beauty in that. You know what I mean? And so yeah, I, I mean, think that's so important. We create momentum together. That's the mm -hmm. whole thing. If 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 we're surrounding ourselves with people that are are winning, yeah. that's going to rub off. We know that. Like yeah. if you say it aloud. Would you rather be around somebody that's not doing anything or somebody that's crushing it? Yeah. It's a really simple question, but yet we just need to slow down and ask ourselves some of these things. And when I was, when I was cruising through the book and I, you know, just chapter two, going back up there is like about culture. You know, when I start thinking about culture, I start thinking about like, what culture am I, am I participating in and what culture am I like creating? Like, what what influence do I have? You used the word influence earlier with, with talking about John Maxwell, which I think is such a, a powerful word because we're constantly being influenced and we're constantly given the opportunity to influence. And so 
the more comfortable you get with that notion, the more you can like really connect to it and, and be a better. So when you think about culture from a all, all levels, right? Like our personal culture, our connective family culture. And then as we branch out into the bigger stratosphere, like how is how important is that? I mean, for me, it's everything uh, in terms of both my family culture, which we have our three cultural values, my, my business culture, we have our three cultural values. And the reason it's important is because once you define that, now you can find your tribe, you can find the people that you want in. If you don't define what that is, people don't really know. So for instance, I'll give an example with Let's Go Win. When I first started the company, it was Courage Fund Transcend. Now, what I noticed is that really meant a lot to me. That word transcend is a huge word. In fact, it's the 12th chapter of the book. But I had to constantly define what that was. It didn't click. And as I was coaching people, it, I would spend so much time defining what transcend meant. It was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going about this the wrong way. I'm not attracting people because they don't understand what it is. So I, I, what I figured out is happy, healthy, wealthy. This is what I'm coaching on on a daily basis. This is what my clients want. Wait a minute. This is who I want to attract. These are the people. So I changed those values to happy, healthy, wealthy. And immediately people were like, oh, I want that. That's exactly yeah. what I'm looking to do. Same company. Nothing is yeah. shifted other than being specific about the the values and and telling our story and it's just been amazing jay to watch the transformation and yet it so i guess the point is make it simple make yeah. it easily understand uh, understandable and tell your story and then people will oh dude i'm in that sounds amazing but yeah. if you don't define it people they don't know what it is Right. Yeah. Because everybody can resonate with those things. Like, hey, I'm happy, healthy. Absolutely. Like, who's saying no to any of those? Right. I'm all in. Like, what do you got? Like, I want to hear more about that. I think the word transcend, like, you know, we go back to the definitions. It's like everybody's got a different definition of that. Right. Somebody, somebody who's really biblical is like picturing an angel, like floating into the, you know, into the atmosphere. And so it can, it can elicit all kinds of like, you know, thoughts and processes. So I'm, I agree with you perfectly. It's like, you've got to define your culture and then you've got to be able to speak about it in a way that, that lets people in that want to come in. Right. And then you attract who you're supposed to attract. I earmarked, um, page 78 and 79. Cause you talk about, um, extreme leadership, the book by Jocko or extreme ownership, um, by Jocko. And so I always feel like Leaf gets uh, or Leif gets left out of that. So let's mention Leif uh, as well. <laughs> like he, he does always kind of get a back seat. And he's always like, hey, Jocko wrote a book. And Leif's like, hey, man, my name's on the cover. Like, why, why can I not get any PR on that? Right. So if you guys don't know who Jocko and Leif are, um, just Google extreme ownership. Um, but that's one of my favorite books. And so I wanted to chat with you about that. Like when you read that book the first time, like, if it, I just want to hear your interpretation of it because I know how I felt. Um, why was that important enough for you to include in the book? So I love studying the SEALs when because I love teams. And when you look at the world's most effective teams, there's only a couple sources where you're like, okay, these people accomplish amazing, literally impossible. It's like Mission Impossible, what these people do. Yeah. Okay, but why? How do they do it? 
Now, when, when extreme ownership, why it was so important to me, when it comes to accountability, they're talking life or death. It's right. not like, hey, Jay, I didn't call so-and-so. I'm right. sorry, bud, my bad. <laughs> this is like, hey, if I didn't do that, my buddy dies. Right. And so when they have that level of, of ownership and accountability and, and really just, uh, you know, it's, it's love for one another because of the way they've come up, I, I w- I'm just fascinated by it. And, and you know, it's so crazy. You're right. Leif or Leaf. I don't even know how to say his name. That's <laughs> um, as a true SEAL member, he probably doesn't give a care. He's like, mm, you know what? No. It's not about that. It's yeah. about the mission. It's about helping other people get better. Yeah. And that's what I find so amazing about the SEALs is one of my favorite quotes is it's amazing what you can accomplish if nobody cares who gets the credit. And when I think of the seals, that's exactly who they are. Yeah. And so that it it's again, I never served in the military. I'm I'm absolutely grateful. And you know, I I I marvel at who these human beings are. And I'm truly, I just it was it hit me in such a way that I was like, these guys did an amazing book. It can help so many people in any area of life. So I just I wanted to include it because I think they nailed it. I feel the same way. Like I read it the first time and then I got the audio. I'm like, this is, and I recommended it probably to anybody and everybody who would listen to me. That's something else that you and I share in common that I, I was unaware of till just then. And I'm the same way. Like I am fascinated by the teams and I read and research and and kind of like look at all of the things. One of my favorites, um, you probably know who Andy Stump is. Andy Stump. Stump. Yes, it's S-T-U-M-P-F or something. I think that's how he spells his last name. So I'll, I'll send you a couple of things that you'll really love him. He's got a podcast called, I think it's called Clear Hot. Um, but he has a quote and he talks about how he, um, I heard him say this on Rogan years ago about how he got through buds. And he said that I, ha- I made a promise to myself that I had to see one more sunrise. He said, because the worst times were at night when it was cold and dark and like, it, it's like unimaginable. I can't even explain to you like how bad you want to quit. He's like, and so I knew that was my brain overtaking my body and everything. He said, so I said, I made a promise to myself. I can quit. I just can't quit tonight. So I have to see one more sunrise. And when that sun comes up, if I still feel the way I feel right now, then I can ring the bell. And he said, that's what got him through that, that hell week was that belief system that he had created for himself. And so when I think about like leadership, like that's a level of like personal leadership and personal accountability that you want your leader who's leading others to have inside of their toolbox. So there's a certain level of that, that, you know, when I read that in your book, I'm like, okay, like we share some of the same like belief systems around like, you know, doing hard things for the purpose of being able to do hard things later. Right. Cause I'm, that's so, such a magical thing. How did you kind of like fall in love with the with the the studying or the the notion of the seals, because I'm the same as you. I'm not no military background, anything like that. How did you kind of find that? You know, that's a good question, brother. Because I'm trying to think of the first book. Uh, I'm sure it was a book, but I, I again, I'm always looking for teams. Yeah, and so I they they would constantly come up in research that I would do. You know, I was reading about I thought, what the, shoot, I'm going to forget his name, O'Neill. Uh, he's from Montana, where I'm from, and he was the guy that actually oh, that killed Bin Laden. Yes. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I, I, I just read so many of these books yeah. because I'm just, I, I want to know how they're wired, you know, for that guy, Andy, to say, I want to wake up one more sunrise. Talk about a simple, but effective way to hit any yeah. goal. Yeah. Like he, he, and I'm wearing this shirt leader simplify. Like that's what he did. He's like, all right, let's make this really simple. Cause this yeah. is right now, <laughs> this sucks i'm cold i'm shivering i'm i'm sandy i'm sure he's blistered and bleeding and he said i just want to see one more sunrise what if we did that for every goal that we want like i just want this just one simple thing not this i don't want this overall big thing right i want this small thing i I mean it's just profoundly brilliant and that's what they do their check-ins with one another right i think is fantastic it's like they have real feedback sessions on how they did in their training always. Right. And imagine if we operate in that same way in our relationships or we operate in that same way in our business, how successful are we going to be? So I can't answer where it started, Jay. I yeah. really can't. I just know that they've been in my life. You know, I feel like I know them. I know a few guys that, you know, were SEALs. Yeah. And they're fascinating to talk to, man. I can't, I don't even know where my obsession started either. I just thought you, maybe you'd have, you kind of spur my, my, my thought process in it. But when I thought about Andy and that, that kind of that quote, it is really, it's something I use kind of in, in a lot of my trainings. Cause you know, I get people who are trying to lose weight and they'll, you know, and they'll start this process and they'll just start eating differently, right? They'll just simply say, Hey, I'm going to eat differently. And then at some life will present itself and it'll become chaotic and overwhelming and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll say, well, this, this isn't for me. I'm going to quit. And I'll be, and I'll be like, perfect. Like you have that opportunity. You have that decision to make. Let's just don't quit today. Let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's sleep on it. And then tomorrow let's have another conversation. And oftentimes when you do that and you get them out of the moment of the suck, right. Then it's like, you know what? I was just going through them. I just had a bad day. Like th- this happened, this happened. I slept on it and now I'm ready. Now I'm back in the game. I'm ready to go again. You probably see that with, I mean, we're, I mean, this happens in business. It happens in relationships. It happens in your own personal stuff, everything. So I think it's just a simplistic notion that you can use to move the ball and move yourself forward. So you don't keep quitting. Yeah, it, it is fascinating <clears throat> because again, I know as a coach, you, you, we so often we want something more than our client Yeah, and it's never worked. Never once in mm-hmm. my entire coaching career, me wanting it more for that person. Has it ever worked? Never. So our job is to figure out how to influence them to just, like you said, just, you can quit. That's an option. Yeah. You're not saying yeah. no, just not today. Right. Well, We're just yeah. going to do that. That one more set. We're going to do that one more rep. And what's amazing. And that's why coaches are so important. And I'm not, this is for think of any athlete. They all have a coach. Well, why? Because we all have that lazy part of our brain. We all have that instant gratification part of our brain. The coach is the one that sees more in you and says, you got more in there. Yeah. Just, you're not maybe willing to, to bring it out, but I, I can. And to your point, going back to the answering machine, I don't know how I sound until I hear it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but That's how looking in a mirror or the way I'm talking to you in my mind, I sound and look a certain way, but it's, you may see something completely different. And most of the time you're like, Oh, you got so much more. That's just the way the world operates. So anyway, I don't, I, I, 
I kind of got off on a tangent. But- no, I love it. And you got me on a tangent. because Now I'm thinking about when I said that, because I mean, I'm on like 250 episodes of my podcast. I remember when I listened back to episode one, I'm like, this is awful. Nobody's <laughs> going to listen to this. And then I was looking through my, like my training archives. I've done probably 5,000 training calls. Mm. Like I basically, you and I both, we just simply talk for a living. And so it went from me despising that voice coming out of that speaker to now I'm just okay with it. Like, Hey, like, it's not about the voice. It's about the message that I'm trying to deliver. And so use that metaphorically for wherever you are, because day one will suck and you won't enjoy it and you won't like what you hear or see or feel. But if you just keep doing it, whatever it is, like plug in your thing, it will get better. It's like, right. It's like the book, right? It's like you read those first things and you're like, absolutely not. Nobody's ever reading this to now we're working on number three, right? So it's like, there's a beauty in that of that one more sunrise. You're like, hey, I don't have to finish this book. I just got to write one more chapter today, one more page today, one more sentence today. So it's beautiful, beautiful way to think about it all, right? And you know, it's wild, brother. I'm Now that you, again, you, you this is what I love about this. You say something and it feeds yeah. When I started writing my blog, I was like, this is nails on a chalkboard. I, every word I was like, oh, to, I think I wrote 88 of them by, by number 30. I was like, oh my God, I get to write today. I get to write and get mm-hmm. my ideas out on paper. But the first 30, I was like, this is the worst thing I, but I just kept going because I committed to something. Yep. And I gave my word. That's one thing we know about each other. If I give my word to someone else, I can't quit. I can't yeah. say no. But we lie to ourselves all the time. If I just said, hey, Jam, write 88 blogs. I, I promise you, I would have gone one, maybe two and been like, nah, not for me. Right. But because I committed to my team. Yes, this is what I'll do. And then it became one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. It's just wild, man, how, how that happens. Yeah. If you just see through that that sucky part just keep going going. yeah you took the words out of my mouth i'll I'll give one more analogy so you guys can understand i just said i i basically talk for a living that's all i do so that includes sometimes being on stage and i remember i did a talk this was probably five years ago maybe even more now 10 times 10 years ago and i've done a hundred of these plus since then but i thought i really i crushed it it was this was this was a good one this will happen to you sometimes as well Like I nailed it today. Like I felt good about it. The audience interaction was really good. Like I felt strong. I listened to it back because I'm like, hey, I've got so many clips that I'm going to pull out of this and I'm going to put it here. I said the word right. (laughs) 14,796 times in a 45 minute speech. Didn't even know it was possible. I mean, not really that many times, but way too many times. And I'm like, what are you doing? And so sometimes you've got to go. But listen, the only thing I could do after hearing myself do that was get was say yes to the next opportunity to get back on a stage and do it again and do it again and do it again. And I can tell you that I am better now than I was 10 years ago, but I'm still, sometimes I still listen to myself back and I'm like, well, that sounds stupid. Like you've got to, so it just keep just, but be able to laugh at yourself. Right. It's like, so it's like, it's once you move through those processes, it's like you can learn to laugh at and, and be comfortable with, 
with who you are. And so wherever you're at in your stage of growth or development or leadership, like just keep going. Like we both said a while ago, I want to touch on two more things before I let you go. I want to be respectful of your time. I know mom's coming in. You've got behind you show up as you, and then you've got this show up as you system. What is that encompass? And what's that all about? Because I think that's valuable in the world we live in today. Because let's just take social media as an example. It's like, it's easy to show up and want to be like somebody else because we're really into comparison and things like that. So what does show up as you mean? Yeah, the best analogy I can give is I'll just, I'm six, five. Okay. God made me that way. Jay, it takes zero time, zero energy, and my back's in complete alignment at six, five. Now I could try to be five, five and with enough time and energy and my back way out of alignment, you might even believe it. But why spend all that energy when I'm just six, five, brother, like, that is literally the easiest way I can explain show up as you. It takes no energy to be you. It's the most attractive thing is to be you. People will follow and believe and get behind you. It's when you put on the the, the mask mm-hmm. and the facade and I want to look this way, I want to sound this way. No, stop. It's way too much energy. It's not effective. You can do it. I did it in my first company in about a half where I looked a certain way and I made sure to sound a certain way and damn it we grew come hell or high water we grew but at what cost I wasn't happy it took a tremendous amount of time at work and then when I learned to just be me just to show up here it is here's jam guess what we grew even more and yet I was doing half the amount of time my relationships were whole and so the whole idea is just to be you. And like you said, Jay, to be comfortable as you, it doesn't take any energy just to be you. And you don't have to think about it. You just you. So that's the idea. And it's really, it's 90 days to get people to that place where they're like, oh, this is really effective when I'm just Jay Nixon. Like yeah. when I'm not trying to be anyone else, like I saw on TikTok or whatever, social media, right. when I'm just Jay Nixon, people like that. So that's what the show up as you system is all about. I love it. And it's so, it seems so simple, but it's a, it's a concept that is, is a little bit foreign, you know, in the world we live in. So I'm glad that you're putting that message out there. And I think anybody that you, you know, me and another buddy of mine, we always say like, you know, the truth always comes out in the wash. Right. And so if you look back at, at somebody who's been doing this for as long as we have, like, you're going to hear me say the same things and the same message and the same tone and the same everything from 10 years ago that I'm saying today. And there's a, I think for me, there's a beauty in that and knowing that like, even when I first started it, I did not love it. Like I didn't love what I was saying. I didn't love what, how I sounded. I didn't love any of it, but now that I've been doing it consistently for so long, it is so natural. It's so easy. And it just, it's like you said, it's, it's easy to be you. Before we go, I want you to define something for me. I want you to define what winning means to you, because I think it's one of those concepts of of definitions that we as humans like to go to Webster's and say, well, that's not me. So what does winning mean to JM and how do you how do you teach and preach that to your people? Yeah, man. So winning to me is is truly it's freedom, uh, freedom of just allowing yourself to to be yourself, to um to be able to give 100% without fear of repercussions or 
fear of how I look or sound or any, all the stuff we talked about. I want people to wake up and live their best life. Now, often when I, when I work with clients, they're not even sure what that is. Right. And I'll give you a really quick example. And, and this will, I think, uh, help with defining the winning. The second client I ever worked with was a, was a PGA golfer. Now, they had missed 12 straight cuts when they were sent to me. And I said, sure, I can help them. Now, am I a golf coach? No, I mean, I work on mindset. And I asked them one question. I said, why did you start playing golf? Because I loved it. I said, well, do you love it now? No, man, it sucks. And I mean, expletives run right. wild. And I was like, all right, why don't we just try and go love it again? Just go out there. Who cares what happens? You're missing cuts anyway. Yeah. Said, why don't you just go out and be happy and go find the love that you had when you started at six years old? Well, sure enough, he makes four out of the next five cuts and the next season is fantastic. All I did was ask him how, why he started. Because here's the one thing I know, Jay, that we all want to be happy. True. That's it. Happy, healthy would be the two. I throw in wealth, but some people, are, that's another one I define often. And when I was able to get him to understand, like, you just love the game, go love it again. It was like the light went off. It was, you know, Moses parting the Red Sea for him. And he, it just made sense. So that's winning to me is just go be happy. I don't care what you want to do. If you want to be a teacher, be a teacher. If you want to be a podcast host, be that. If you want, I don't care, but make sure you're finding the joy in your journey because we are not on this planet long enough to not. And that's winning to me. Love it and have nothing to add to that. I think that's beautifully articulated and very well said. I'm going to link all of your stuff, the podcast, the books, the website, the everything in the show notes so that everybody has, doesn't have to write it down. But what's the what's the easiest place? Like, what's your favorite platform? If you're like, hey, I just want somebody to get a taste of, of, of JM, like what I am, what I'm about. Like, where's your favorite place to send somebody? I'm going to say let's go win podcasts. A, because you were a guest on there and you crushed it. Thank you. B, because it literally is, this is my favorite thing I do on a daily basis. I I... I'm fired up after I was fired up before, but now I'm like here after just spending an hour with you and, and yeah. filling my bucket. So that's where I would say to go, Jay's let's okay. go with the podcast. Perfect. And then we'll link everything else. We'll link the books and everything else. And so what I want to promise from you that when we get ready for that next, that next book launch, that I get to be a part of that, have you back on the show, talk about the book and help you get that new book out to as many humans as possible. Uh, done deal. I can't wait to continue to collaborate with you. Yeah. I love energy. I just love how you show up in the world, brother. So thank you for doing what you do. And yes, we, we will continue. Love it. Thank you, my man. We will talk to you soon and uh, enjoy your visit with mom and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Hey, before you go, I'd just like to say thank you again for listening to the Thrive Forever Fit podcast and watching on YouTube. It means the absolute world to me. And if you would, if you would do me one favor, and that is simply subscribe and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you enjoy it on, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, doesn't matter. I would absolutely be so grateful and so thankful if you do that for me. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you again next week with an awesome, awesome episode. Bye. 